Welcome to Inside Whitehall with me, James Starkey. And me, Jonathan Gullis. Well, Jonathan, today I am with you in Stoke. So Stoke-on-Trent, welcome. Thank you very much. Back to my homeland. And uh, this is part two of our local elections week. So I hope um, listeners managed to grab part one on Monday with myself and Jonathan took a, a bit of a look at the context uh, for the current set of local elections, the last of which, as we, we discussed, were held in 2019. But today we're super lucky to be joined by a Labour councillor who himself was uh, elected just last year and is going to help us understand a bit more about what councillors do. Um, again, something we discussed before, why should the public care about this week's elections that so many people are out campaigning for and trying to win your vote? And then how do you actually go about winning a local election which is not great today because i'm the only one of the three who have never done that i'm now you know i'm with two people that have have won local elections and i myself haven't but i guess um reese is a labor councillor from nancy moyle in south wales valley and bridge end county borough council uh, reese is also a cabinet member for future generations and well-being and previously worked in their house of commons and the european parliament well welcome reese thank you for joining us Thanks for having me, folks. One, one of the first things we, we, we've done with all our guests is just to kind of get to know them and, and, and get a feel. And I think, you know, hopefully I've, I've always found it interesting, hopefully listeners do, is just to understand like why you personally came into politics and, and how it came about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think having, having listened back to your other episodes, which I really enjoyed, by the way, um, it, it's quite similar to, to Jonathan's story, I think. Like, I think I was probably just a bit of a nerd <laughs> Um, and I've, thank I've you. always thank you for confirming this is a, the reality. It's a pleasure. Um, you know, it's something that I'd I'd always been interested in. Um, I, admittedly, when I was young and in secondary school, wasn't a Labour member, which I now secretly hide away um, from from other people. I was actually a, a Liberal Democrat, which actually, oh. in, in the saddest possible way, right, I think it was teenage rebellion, having grown up in South Wales. Where what is the what is the only political rebellion you could make in South Wales in the 90s is probably to be a Liberal Democrat. <laughs> um, which So so I, 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 as I got older and, and went to university, that, that changed, and I came back to uh, the heartland of, of Labour. Um, but I think a lot of it, you know, I think for a lot of us, you, you sort of, you experience the world and you see the things in it. And there is part of you that I think wants to make a bit of difference. And whether we whether we achieve that in the end, who knows? But I think it is that drive that you see stuff going on. And, you know, particularly in South Wales, where there's a lot of change, a lot of change happens when I was a kid. You know, the, the mines closed just before I was born. You know, having had several long strikes uh, in the few years before I was born, and so you know, Wales was in a massive flux um, in the early nineties um, when I was growing up. So you know, it's just one of those things where I think it was you were surrounded by it um, in a way, and it was it was almost, I, I it just always felt natural to me that that's something I wanted to be involved in. You know, if you if you can't if you can't be on X Factor, you might as well be a local politician, right? <laughs> yeah, what what is the is the is the old adage, adage isn't it? The uh, politics is show business. Uh, I was going to say for ugly people, you're not ugly, Reese, but perhaps for me and Jonathan, that does we, apply. We can all, we all we all know it's true. We've all, <laughs> there, there was a period I remember when I was working in the House of Commons where there was a rate your MP page and it would flash up like the headshot <laughs> from the House of Commons website and you had you got to rate on a scale of one to ten hot or not which I think is probably it's now not PC and no. I think it's probably been got rid of but uh 
yeah, there was always some interesting shots on that. There I are. Think. There's a lot of people who question my age. I, I've been informed by my <laughs> staff. Twitter is regularly in debating how can someone look like that at 33 years old. So yeah, I think uh, uh, you know, which is why I'm here behind a mic rather than on a TV camera, which is I think always a safer position. To I be. think that that for you, it's best for everybody. It's best for everybody. Um, <laughs> Reese, I think one of the things me and uh, Jonathan touched upon on the, on the kind of part one was just trying to understand what it is that counsellors do. I was kind of curious, um, and we touched on, on the fact that you know me, you know counsellors will generally have a kind of day job, so they're doing this you know outside of their normal job. Uh, and Jonathan was talking about you know just what a strain that can be and how much time you you have to take. So I was wondering if at first as a as a kind of current sitting counsellor. If you could just kind of give us an idea about what does a week look like, and you, you know you're a, a cabinet member as well, so you've got that additional responsibility other than just being a councillor. Yeah, I mean it's definitely there are weeks where it feels a stretch. I think trying to balance all the different parts of your life is is quite difficult, and it, you know it's a bit different for me being a being a cabinet member because I think you know I do sort of take a lot more time and spend a lot more time in the council offices and working with officers. As, as opposed to backbench members who wouldn't spend that much time, I think, in our civic centre. But, you know, the the majority of your week is um, trying to find answers and, and help local residents. Um, and you sort of become almost a bit of a go-between between officers in the local authority and, and residents. And I think that's the bit that actually is often misunderstood, is I think the general public see councillors as being part of the local authority but actually local councillors are there to represent you as a resident to the local authority and you know that's something i've definitely learned since coming into office last year is we're not allowed to be operational as they put it you know in meetings we we're you know as a cabinet member you're strategic you you aren't allowed really to get involved in the day-to-day but it is about finding that time to represent those concerns to the local authority and then helping change the policy um i mean i think you know the majority for the majority of councillors the work is dealing with casework and that that is a pressure particularly in the sort of social media age whereas a lot of casework would have come to you via letter or then email um you know and, and this weekend's a, a great example of that you know it's a bank holiday weekend that didn't stop um residents coming and asking me questions on sunday and monday uh, and I, I, I try to be quite disciplined in when I respond, but there is a push. I think there, there's that feeling you should respond instantly because they're your residents, and I think that does pose a challenge. And I think when you want to bring younger people or slightly different age groups into local politics, it does become a challenge because I think people look at potentially your life and think, "I'm not sure that's for me." Well, that's really interesting, Reese, because obviously you've worked in Westminster. I'm obviously lucky to be there now. I obviously get a budget where I can hire a certain amount of staff. A councillor doesn't get that kind of privilege. So how do you go about day-to-day managing that casework, you know, keeping an eye on it, responding to people, and obviously dealing with the uh, officers you've got to deal with? Because that is a very fine line to have to tread uh, constantly and obviously making sure that you're keeping on top of it whilst having a day job, whilst also trying to have a life. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think, you know, it's made even more difficult. It's not just not having caseworkers and, and a staff budget. There's also then, you know, across different local authorities, I'm sure there's different software, different management systems uh, to how to keep track of that. And 
and of course, like we now live in a world where constantly you're looking at GDPR and actually, you know, I'm quite lucky. The majority of my residents don't seem to be that bothered. And when I go and ask them if I have got permission to pass on their email address, they're usually like, why do you need to ask? I emailed you first. But it is something we, we need to pay attention to because, you know, at, at the end of the day, the ICO can come and ask any one of us how we're keeping people's data. Um, and I think that is really difficult, keeping on top of those sort of things as well and making sure that you're keeping files safe and keeping data safe is, is quite difficult, particularly for, you know, you're thrown in very quickly after the election. You know, the day after the election, you're expected to know what you're doing and how to do casework. Um, and actually, it can be quite, and, you know, we get we get some really intense uh, casework sometimes, you know, and it, and it does does become difficult. Um, having said that, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I, I work quite closely with our MPs. We've got two MPs in the borough. Um, we have two MSs uh, who are constituency uh, members of the Senate in our borough. Who, and, and that helps a little bit because you can, you know, when you do have complex cases that maybe sit more naturally in different parts of politics, you can sort of help, uh, ask for help from them. And that, that's been quite useful for me. I obviously talked about when I first came into Westminster, the training and actually where an area I think needs improving. You've obviously highlighted the thing perfectly, being brand new, coming in, almost an expectation to understand how everything works overnight. What kind of support did you get either from your maybe your Labour group or from the council officers, the chief executive, in terms of training and explaining the way in which the council works? Or, or are you literally left to your own devices? Um, we, we have a training system. Uh, that that was sort of part in person, part online courses, part um, Zoom meetings, uh, which was quite comprehensive. Um, if I'm honest, I don't think it's the most effective training. And I think particularly from from my point of view, you know, I was a I was a backbencher for all of two days uh, before becoming a cabinet member, which opens a whole other kettle of fish uh, where you're not just um, expected to be able to do casework at that point. You're then expected to give policy responses and reply to other people's casework on behalf of your authority. And that's that's definitely a challenge. And I think while the training is good, there's definitely a, a bit of a gap. I, I think, you know, compared to what I imagine um, you went through when you got to Westminster, Jonathan, of, you know, having those staff, and it's, it's like a well-oiled machine that they know every few years there's going to be this process. And you come in and you're given your office, you know, you speak to the whips, you get given an office, you get given your email, you're given a pack, you get sworn in, you do all of this. Um, and that doesn't happen in local authorities, partly because we're not all in the same place. And I think since the pandemic, particularly, you know, a lot of things are still remote. Uh, not everyone regularly comes to the council chamber. And that makes it, I think, even more difficult because you don't have that camaraderie that perhaps you get on the first day in Westminster, for example, when you get uh, ultimately, you know, 649 colleagues who are all in this sort of similar boat to you. Um, whereas I think we we really struggled the first few months to build that camaraderie, uh, both as a group and, and wider as a council, because you, you don't always see each other. And I think that's somewhere we need to work on to improve training because that is so key in knowing actually how things work rather than reading a PowerPoint. One of the things you touched on is uh, as a kind of a cabinet member is the bits you're allowed to do that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to get involved uh, operationally. I, I was curious. So when you're a cabinet member uh, in a council, 
what do you have some control of and how, how can you shape things? And, you know, you're, you've got the area of, of uh, future generations and well-being. What does that mean that you can, what change can you affect? You know, because I think a common theme as well, when we've asked people about why they got into politics is a variation of, I want to affect change for the good, you know, wherever pe background people are. And I wondered, what can you do in your role? Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of what cabinets um, are responsible for is, is setting that strategic direction and trying to look at where uh, the local authority is and how we can do things differently and, and improve the lives of residents. I mean, for example, one of the big areas I actually have in my portfolio, because I, I recognise my title is somewhat misleading <laughs> and is a Welsh specific thing that I won't bore you guys with. But um, one, of, one of the big areas in my portfolio is housing. Now, obviously, across the UK, there's a tremendous, tremendous issue with housing. No one has enough housing. Uh, rents are through the roof. Mortgages are through the roof. People are really struggling. Our, you know, our waiting list for housing now is, is hundreds of people long, hundreds of families long. And one of the toughest things I've had to learn is that, you know, you often get emails from residents who are saying how desperate they are for better housing, permanent housing, uh, etc. And knowing that you can't get involved because it's not fair to get involved because, you know, there's there's a process and there's a list and there's a number of people ahead of them as much as it's, it's you know, heart-wrenching to hear those stories. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, Jonathan must get these into his inbox as well. And, and you have to be quite disciplined and, and for legal reasons as well, that if I did get involved, that, that opens up a whole, um, you know, issue with how the process works. And so it is, there's a discipline, I think you learn in that. And, and hopefully you've got good officers who can guide you through that as well, because it's certainly one of those learning curves where it, it happens as well with housing, you know, safeguarding issues come up sometimes. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have some good officers who could tell me what was and wasn't my role and what was or wasn't in my purview. Um, because, you know, essentially, you know, and this is the bit that I think a lot of people don't understand, essentially as a cabinet member, my role is to set direction and strategy and to slice up the pie and say, right, we've got this much money coming in. This is how we need to spend that money to affect this change. But on the day-to-day elements uh you know that that isn't something that that either a cabinet member nor a backbencher can can get involved in um and that's for the chief exec to to manage and and through you know through conversations with the cabinet the chief exec sets direction and obviously it, it, you're in wales where we have devolution we have a slightly different political system and also a different political context which i was quite curious just i thought it'd be a really great opportunity just to have a look at the differences so is the way that councils run in Wales any different because you have that extra layer of devolution? Well, we, it, it's interesting because we it is it's increasingly different because the Senate now has lawmaking powers, so there are laws that have come in, and and also there's there's laws that we didn't have, so we didn't have the NHS bill because it was devolved. So whereas local authorities in England have um, public health in their remit. We don't have public health in our remit so that, you know, it does. There are there are differences that are created. I mean, one of the biggest challenges, I think, then as well is it's adding another layer for us in terms of when or where you get funding from. So, you know, a lot of the time now, the UK government will set a policy which is devolved. It will then go to Welsh government. There'll be 
a pot of money sent, hopefully, not always, hopefully from Westminster down to Cardiff. Um, and then that is often then distributed amongst the 22 boroughs in, in Wales. And that does sometimes cause difficulty because then there is slight differences in nuance and direction from both the UK government compared to, to the Welsh government. Um, and I think it is it is increasingly challenging for local authorities and, and local administrations to make sure that they have that ability to reflect to both those bodies what is actually the reality on the ground. Because when you ask about why people should care about local authorities, the point is it is the closest possible rung of, of politics to real people on the ground, right? And and it is important because, you know, the realities in Bridgend are going to be very different to the realities in other boroughs. Um, and, and finding that route in to have that conversation, I think, is is really important and, and something we really need to try and make sure we're improving on. With that extra layer of devolution, so if I'm a member of the public... I've in your I've got councillors, I've got assembly members, and I've got an MP. Do you think it's confusing and how do you get through this for a member of the public to understand who does what, who is responsible for what? If there's a problem in my area, should I be even if it's not about blame, it's just about going to someone to sort it out. Who do I go to to sort this out? And does it make it harder because you've got that extra layer? I mean, I, I'm not sure it makes it harder. I think it is something that we've probably all experienced across politics, right, is that there is, I think, generally not a huge level of understanding about different levels of elected officials, uh, regardless of whether you're in a devolved nation or or not. Um, I mean, in my experience, what tends to happen now is you'll often get an email which will go to both uh, our member of the Senate, our MP, and to uh, often the council leader and all of cabinet, um, and and you know it's it's almost sort of a stick your finger in there in the air and hope for the best and mm. and you know that 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 probably works you probably will get a response from everyone but I think um, there are some you know there's definitely different p- different people have different understandings and you can tell that um, I think you know the the added complexity in Wales is we you know we also have community and town councils which I think does cause confusion um, I mean for example so we have a a, a ceremonial mayor. Of Bridgend County Borough, we also have a mayor of Bridgend Town, um, and I know that both of them have had some, <laughs> some issues with uh, who gets invited to what and which chain yeah. gets worn by who. The chain um, gang, the chain the gang, is the chain gang, yeah. the, the chain, chain gang. gang. That's what they're known. They, if they wear the gold chain, the chain gang. They, and that's uh, sorry, Reese, because that, that's in, that's amazing, and I think that adds into probably what you were saying, but also what James is making the point, and we were discussing in the last episode about or the first part of this one, the locals. Why is it that maybe people do switch off at local election time? Because ultimately, what am I really electing? I suppose James asked me about manifestos. Obviously, I gave what I've seen on the ground. When you guys were running for election last year, the Labour Party locally, did you have like a manifesto launch? Do you have a set of policies or do you all run on essentially like local issues within the ward that you're specifically running in? And obviously, as you've said, you are that representative for those individuals to the local authority rather than we're going to be an elected political party kind of leading an agenda that we believe will bring change to the area. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly from a from a Labour point of view, and it's probably true of all of the main political parties, uh, it's sort of a combination, right? So Welsh Labour will have a manifesto which they set out for the local elections. Bridgend County Borough Labour will have... Uh, we'll have policies which are specific to the borough. And then it's sort of, you know, 
hopefully those will reflect a lot of the issues across the borough. But then it is that individual thing of, you know, I, certainly um, with me, there, there's various issues around in, in a classic local authority, local councillor sort of way. There's a lot of issues dog fouling, a lot of issues with bins and a lot of issues with potholes. They matter. These they really matter. matter. This is the thing, but this is the thing, you know, about. people care about this. They genuinely mm. care about this. They, they are to much... back you up on this quickly. In Stoke, literally, I can say a car park and potholes are coming up more than about what's gone on in Westminster. And I'm sure you feel the same when you were, you know, yeah. talking to people on your doorstep. Absolutely. And it's, and, and understandably, and and that's where I think it is important that we have uh, local councillors because, honestly, you know, Jonathan, I'm sure you still get loads into your inbox, but I, I'm pretty sure that you're, even with caseworker staff, you do not have time to look at each individual pothole. Whereas, you know, lo local um, councillors who are in the local area have got the, that ability to go and sort of look at it and be like, yeah that's right, that needs work, I've reported it. Um, hopefully, if you've got a responsive local authority, they will come and uh, fill it in. Um, but, you know, it, it is difficult. I think it's fair to say Stoke-on-Trent was on the is on the wrong side of the statistics when it comes to potholes. So, yeah, I would, it would take me quite a considerable amount of time to get around and report them. But you are right, that kind of hyper-local level is so important to local people. And that, I found, is actually the biggest motivator for why anyone will consider giving their vote at the end of the day in these locals, from my own personal experience, and it sounds similar to what you're saying there, Reese. Yeah, and I think we, we actually have a challenge as well as political parties. I mean, if you look at the results from... The election last year in Wales, the Labour Party came first, which obviously I'm very pleased about. But in second place were independents, not the Conservative Party who came in fourth or Plaid Cymru who came in third. The second biggest share of the vote were to independent councillors. And I think that does show a level of disengagement with politics. And I think part of that is that it is becoming more and more complex to have a central body expressing what it is that local people want. Um, I mean, I, I think it's certainly a challenge where currently, you know, obviously um, the manifestos for the, for, the, uh, for the local elections in England are currently everywhere. And I've had residents come to me and say, well, I've seen this, the Labour Party has said this, so when are you going to do that? Mm. And I've had to say, well, actually, that's the English uh, local elections. Oh, wow. So, so you know, it's difficult because, you know, some of them depend on Labour winning a general election, which you have to say, well, that's not even these elections in May. They're yeah. actually, you know, it's October next year or or another time. Um, and, and I think people sort of hear that and get very confused by it and understandably sort of frustrated by yeah. it. Um, and in a world of social media, you know, I don't, I don't think it's party politics's fault, really, but it's a reality of, of where we are that, you know, people who want to take an interest see this stuff, but they haven't got all the time in the world to spend reading this, right? So they, they see, you know, a snazzy um, social media post from one of the political parties and just presume that that's what's being promised. And I think that is increasingly a problem. I think we have to do more to challenge that and to make sure that people do feel like their local representatives, if they're from a, a, a political party, are doing those local issues and dealing with local issues because it, it is a challenge. And I think something we faced certainly in, in my local area is, you know, essentially our opposition is, is an independent group which has a leader and a manifesto and the leader gets paid by the council, but they don't say that they're a party. 
And it's interesting how much that makes a difference on the doorstep. Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, you have a shared manifesto. You all stand under the same name. Uh, they even have coffee mugs and hoodies. Uh, but they don't say that they're a political party. And and I think that's something we have to challenge as well, that, you know, just because you're yeah. in a political party doesn't mean that, you know, th there seems to be this idea that everything I do has to be um, emailed back to Keir Starmer and Keir Starmer has to say, <laughs> OK. Um, yeah. And that's certainly not the reality, as you both know. Absolutely. Can I ask you a qu both a question? And, I, you know, m maybe I'll get a political answer back, but I'm curious. With with independence, you've got quite if you've got you've got quite a strong independence. City, city independence is a political party. Then we've got independence themselves. Yeah, we've got a mixture of. The but you've two. got a big. There's there's certainly a big section of your electorate in Stoke that's voting yep. for people they see as independents. Yep. And it sounds you've got something similar. Reese. do you think independents are a good thing? Do, do they often deliver? Or are they simply just a protest vote? I mean, I guess I'm just trying to get a feel for. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I know each of you will probably be wary that you know they are they are in opposition to you in your area. But I'm curious to think if you think they're kind of good for the kind of local democracy, good for the council elections. Do they deliver good outcomes? I think if I'll quickly just jump in here, Reese, from my perspective, I think that they are they are positive. I think they are positive because they actually hold politicians feet to the fire locally and i think that when there is uh if, if a particular party whether that be stoke-on-trent conservatives or stoke-on-trent labor who have been in charge and they're not up to the job or they're not delivering the way that people expect them to deliver and then they feel that the advice and that the alternative isn't there then the independents should have an opportunity to come forward and say look I'm not interested in party politics. I'm not interested in the future in Westminster. I'm not interested in, you know, spinning a result to help Rishi or to help Keir. I'm interested in just talking about, there's a guy called Alan Gerrard, for example, in Fenton. Like that man loves Fenton to bits. All he ever wants to talk about is the town of Fenton. He's not interested in anything else. And he says all the time, plague on everyone else's house. But is he representative of independence? Like, is that broadly what, no, I what think... I'm getting from independence? I don't know what, Reese, what Go do on, you Reece, think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I think this is the thing, right? We have some independents who I think, you know, they're born and bred from there. They love it. They they love where they're from. They're really engaged. They really get it. And I totally agree with Jonathan. As as with all opposition groups, they should be there holding the authority to to account. I my my concern is always, in my experience, they're quite short termist, and yeah. I think yeah. when it comes to the hard decisions, like we've just had an extremely difficult budget round we had to find a lot of savings after a very long period of austerity when we're in a you know in a cost of living crisis we don't have enough houses we don't you know we've had um a lot of refugees come from ukraine so that you know there's massive pressure on all of our services yeah and my concern with with these sort of groups is if you did win a majority um, or formed the administration, how are you going to cope with the realities of that power? Because that's where I think it falls down. Yeah. Now, not to say that you know they aren't effective or aren't capable, but there is something to be said for having or knowing that you have shared views as a group. Um, and you know, there, as Jonathan uh, and you, James, will know, there's huge differences across the Tory party on on what views are right, and same with oh, the yeah. Labour party. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Luckily um, for the Tory party, we've shown everyone ours in the last 
12 months so. yeah, yeah yeah but we, we beat we, you we, to we, it we did it two years ago you did it you um, went through that a couple of years yeah ago. exactly and and but there's still that you know fundamentally there's that sort of grain that nugget of fundamental yeah. political belief that we all sort of share mm. and all want to sort of drive forward and i think you know as we've seen with sort of the SNP and, and Plaid a little bit as well, when you're in a political movement that's actually driven by either hyper-local things or a sort of nationalist thing or something like that, that's a sort of single issue, mm. then actually, how are you? Go- how are you going to, when those difficult choices come up, how are you going to deal with mm. that? And, and that would be my big concern. But I think, you know, generally, um, there are some very good local independent councillors there's somewhat there's some that i think are dreadful <laughs> yeah but you know it's the same and, with all parties right and, but then but then it's like how do you hold that to account if yeah. you're in a world where you're saying right well we're not a political party really so you know i'm really sorry that you think that independent councillor hasn't done very well but it's not really my problem is it because i'm an independent councillor as well mm. and and actually you know if it's the if it was the labor party or the conservative party or any organized party yeah there's a system uh, and and you know if if one of our members was doing wrong, I would hope that they would get reported, and I would hope that action would be taken. And and that's again a, a concern, I think, of how do we make sure that those people who claim to represent their communities are properly representing their communities and, and doing it in a way that meets the standards that we expect of public life. Reese hit the nail on the head with the short termism. That is definitely be my biggest sort of, uh, you know, I, that might that would be the thing I point the finger at the independents for. That ultimately, because they run in this whole "I'm independent," as soon as you got maybe a vocal minority on social media or like a small petition, whether that planning development is actually long term for the good of the local area, they'll instantly oppose it. Mm. The long term planning is never there because ultimately, yes they would not see themselves as a political party. So therefore, the question is, oh, are we ever really going to be in power for longer than maybe four years? Mm. If that's how often you have your electoral cycle, or even year by year, if you're going in thirds, as some local uh, councils do. So I totally agree with with at least a political party. There is that ingrained idea of a core theme of values, a core theme of beliefs, and a long-term vision Mm. that is naturally drilled into all of us because we take part in those national elections by knocking on doors Mm. and trying to get, whether it be Labour or Conservative MPs elected or MSs, etc. Well, you've got, I think, whether it's um, local chairman or or fundamentally the leadership of the party, you've got someone above who's saying, actually, in five years or ten years' time, we're going to be held to account for that. So you, you, you can't do that. I've got another question to pose for both of you, though. So one thing is, you kind of touched on this, Reese, and I think it's related to something you said to me the other day, Jonathan, which is, uh, I think, a local socialist candidate said to you, broadly speaking, we all know what the problems are, whichever party we're at. We kind of agree on the issues. I would imagine both you and Jonathan don't particularly diverge in your belief that that we need to improve public services, that housing's not good enough, we need to do more for that. And also, crucially, we need to fill in more potholes quicker. So I would imagine that would make my life a lot happier if we fill more potholes. Mine too. If we could just sort that, that would be great. So we've got we've got cross party agreement on the potholes. So what? But what I think is interesting is, so if you go to you know the party level nationally, you know you have to decide on kind of who you tax and how. We're not really doing that locally. It's because of some of the issues and the decisions that you are actually able to make and not able to make. Does it make cross party working more easy? at a local level because we will definitely see 
more coalitions. I mean, the voters give them to us, so you have to work within the parameters anyway. But we do get more coalitions. That happens at a local level, and local levels are able to function on a year-on-year basis. And it just seems that it's it's definitely possible if you look at local politics that parties can work together more than they they do nationally. Is I don't know. Is that a fair supposition, Reese? Yeah, I think so. I mean. Uh, again, I, I think you. I think you're right. I think you. You sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit there. That everyone, everyone generally is understanding and, and appreciative of what the problems are and what needs to be solved. And I, I think as well, you know, part of it is local government doesn't necessarily have the levers to do that. So you know, housing, for example, it would take huge amounts of investment for us. To, to solve that crisis. And that is something that's only ever going to come from national government. Um, mm. And I guess, you know, that that is where there is cross-party support because if you are, you know, regardless of what political ilk you are on a local council, you, you sort of appreciate that, like, you're all doing a, a joint letter to whether it's uh, Welsh government or, or to UK government. It's fundamentally an issue of funding and, and actually... You know, I, I'm sure most letters that we send to ministers are usually saying, "Can we have some more money, please?" Um, you know, <laughs> Jonathan's uh, nodding along to that one. Yeah, always, I mean, always want more in Stoke. Always yeah, want more. Exactly. In Stoke. I mean, obviously, the the difference between Jonathan and I is that we we send the letter to the Welsh government first, and Welsh government says, "Yeah, we want more money too," <laughs> and then we we all we, we all just forward the letters to UK government, and um, you know, the treasury just gets inundated by by multiple multiple letters. But I think there definitely is a a broader ability to work closely together yeah. in, in in local politics. And that's, you know, as you say, James, it's sort of the nature of it. Like a, an awful lot of local authorities have um, no overall controllers, as they put, and, and ends up in, you know, quite unusual coalitions where, you know, and again, this is where, this is where actually independent members can be really interesting because actually, you know, I know that there are, there are independents within, uh, my council that are broadly Labour Party people, mm. and there are others in there who are very much not. Um, and I think you know, if it came down to it, it's finding those those areas where you can coalesce around ideas and and, yep. and that knowledge that yeah, we all accept that this actually needs to be dealt with. Um, so yeah, I think there is broadly a stronger coalition across all political views. Um, I, I totally a- agree. I totally agree with you, Reese. I, I think, you know, in Stoke was a classic example. 2019 was no overall control. The Conservatives were going to coalition with the city independents. You know, the city independents will probably reduce in numbers. Again, I'm <laughs> making a prediction that's a dangerous thing to do ahead <laughs> of these elections. But I think actually they may return, in my opinion, between three and five councillors. But I think those three and five councillors are going to decide who runs this council. If If the results go the way I think they will go, which is that there's still no overall control, I think that the Conservatives and Labour will just be within touching distance of potentially taking power with a coalition. So those three to five city independents will literally determine the future for the next four years of the city. I think in Stoke-on-Trent, that is. I totally agree with what Reese is saying about the, the joint working. I see that all the time. So when I brought a planning bill to increase fines on uh, landlords under the Town and Country Planning Act, very technical, I know, sorry, listeners. But like 
there was this motion brought forward in the chamber at the council and every councillor voted in favour of it, which actually made the argument easier in Westminster because I was able to go, this has got consensus from across political parties in my local authority who are having to deal with these type of landlords day in, day out. So I think that you can see those type of motions that go through council. And most of the time, I think it's actually rare that you probably see a, a very divided council chamber unless it's on a budget motion or maybe a very uh, a certain investment idea that someone's got or maybe planning you may see that as well but i think it's actually a lot more that there's emotions that go through on the nod in most cases i think actually the sad thing i think i've felt in stoke for me is that because it was the first time the city had elected conservative mps i feel that with some of my labor councillors and i'm as guilty for this as others i think there was a reluctance on their side to work with me because they want me gone next election Mm. understandably and i probably did go oh that's the labor party i didn't say that's the local council that's the labor party i can't be working with them because they'll look to knife me in the back any moment and i look back and i think have i wasted an opportunity there have i not have i done enough of the soft stuff behind the scenes to actually go look on this issue we broadly agree this petition it's not designed to get me some cheap points it's designed for us to all win i'll put you on the press release we'll have the joint photos and i think that's been something that i if i am ever re-elected in the future i would certainly want to improve that relationship with you know uh councils from different political parties and not just end up relying solely on the relationships of my own ones but how how easy is that for either of you because that's great the public would love that right if you ask what the pub if you ask the public about politicians they would say, politics, right? well they would say we want to see you work together more they love that but we all we all work in politics right so we all you know deal with people people in our, in our relevant political parties and i think that's you know that sounds very sensible but it's easier said than done because there's pressure from you pressure from other people in the party there'd be people that would turn around to you Jonathan if you did that and said why why are you helping the labor party so you i would imagine your councillors or aspiring councillors would say why why are you helping yeah. a labor candidate right and the, and equally if you started working with a conservative mp Reese, would you know people i i guess at a, a national level or assembly level They'd say you're just handing them a victory here. This this is going to look great for them for the next elections. I mean, is there a middle way? Is is it just not possible in a party system, Reese? I don't know what you think. I mean, I I think it depends on the will of of the other people. I mean, you know, I it's a bit difficult. You know, in in my borough specifically, so we have a one seat majority, which actually is a, is an improvement because we had we were um, a minority previously. You know, so if I was in the independent group in Pretend County Borough, I would be looking at it and saying, "In no way am I going to help with anything." And mm. and and that is sometimes how it how it goes in, in our council at the moment. That there is a lot of yeah. like, well, yeah, we don't disagree with you, but we're not going to be seen to support this. Yeah, um, which is a problem, and and that where you know it does become more similar to to national politics. I think from a from a point of view of like local MPs, Pregend is going to be a target seat for the Labour Party. It's merging two seats into one at the next election, and and I think you know honestly, it, it would, maybe it would be a bit different in reality if uh, it was going the other way. But the reality is that it's going to be extremely hard for the Conservatives to hold mm. the new seat. But you know, in, in my experience, the council works relatively well with all of. Uh, our MPs, but most of the engagement through that 
Um, and I think it does depend on who your member is at the end of the day. Um, right. You know, our, our local member, Jamie Bollis, has had an awful lot of other things to deal with. And I think perhaps therefore isn't as active in terms of getting involved in local policy as mm. perhaps other members might be. But, you know, we, we work, you know, I, I spend a lot of time sending him policy responses when he sends casework over. And, and personally, I get on pretty well with him and I, and I think that's that's the other thing I think is really important in local politics and I think actually we should reflect more nationally because I know that in Westminster the reality is a lot of MPs regardless of what party you're from get on with each other mm. and I don't think people see that enough and I get on very well with an awful lot of our members regardless of whether they're in a different party to me um, and I think we need to try wherever possible to highlight that to the public. Because yeah. I think you're right, James. The thing that public want the most is to see us all work together. But if they can't see us work together, at least they could see that we're human to each other. And that actually we don't sit there slagging each other off all the time. Because I think it's all too easy to give that impression sometimes. Um, and as Jonathan says, we've all been guilty of it, right? You get into that that mindset, particularly around elections. Me more um, the most, don't worry. Me more the most, Reese. Don't worry. I'll, uh, I'm sure you're much much better at it than I am. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, you know, it's certainly. It, and I think we need to humanise it more. We and we need to be seen to be doing that wherever possible. Um, so certainly, I've I've never been one that's like I'm not going to go shake that guy's hand because he's a conservative um, or, or, or any other party. That's why it's interesting in Stoke, you know, on the result on Thursday, I, you know, overnight, I, I may well be for the first time as being the Member of Parliament working with a Labour-run administration. Now, I will have potentially 12 to 18 months until the next general election. One of my, my, my opponents for the Labour Party is running right now as a Labour Council candidate, will hope, what well, I expect will be re-elected as a Labour councillor. You know, so I've got to figure out, like, that relationship there, there's going to be natural distrust probably from both sides. How do we work in the interest of the people that we both want to serve and are serving? You're both, you're you both know, be representing them. We're both representing people already. So how do we make sure that we put those political differences to one side? And that's going to be, I think, a humongous challenge. I know for council officers, they've already said they're trying to figure out like how they're going to build that balance. Because obviously I would have at the moment regular meetings with the leader of the council. I'll have meetings with the cabinet members. I'll have access to information you know, they will have access to information that maybe before they haven't been able to see, you know, how often I write in on certain issues or if I'm raising concerns about UK government, I may well have written. And let's be honest, what is definitely going to happen, you might, you know, hopefully you'll find a way to work together, but you are going to run press releases against each other. Yeah, exactly. That's going to happen. No, that's going to happen. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to pretend that won't, but I think Mm. that's where for the voter, like you say, there's the frustration because actually yeah. what the voter wants to do is see the pothole fixed, is see the new homes built, is see the high street return back to at least a you know, better state than what it was in, uh, in certainly in recent times. And if we're just nitpicking over this, that and the other, then nothing's really productive happening for local areas. And I think that's where, again, I think it's it's interesting and I'll be interested to hear what Reese thinks because Reese obviously, I suppose, is a different situation to me in some part. He has a Labour-run Welsh government, but obviously mm. a Conservative-run UK government. Like out of interest, Reese, with with local elections, there's going to be a lot of debate about do local elections actually matter when it comes to broad national politics? Does it really matter how many seats Keir Starmer gains or Rishi Sunak loses? Does it really matter uh, for those future of those leaders and those political parties what the outcomes are? Do they have any bearing on morale within local areas in terms of hope and expectation that maybe a victory can be pulled off the next general election? Like, how much do you think they actually play into 
national politics? Or do you think that we can easily get caught up in thinking they mean much more than they actually do? Hmm. I mean, just to just to go back on to, to something you just said, Jonathan, because I just think it's important. I think what's really key in terms of those relationships, uh, you know, going forward, where, you, where you're right, naturally, there's going to be local candidates who are going to stand against each other. We, we all know there's going to be a general election coming. But this is where, you know, we should really pay tribute to the officers in local authorities yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's i mean i can't imagine what it's like to be <laughs> a chief officer and suddenly be like right so we've got a new group of people who honestly probably don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. um and they're coming in and they're going to run the borough and we have to train them and regardless of what political ilk they're from whether it's a coalition or an individual party it's tremendously difficult and i think you know we should just take a moment to say you know what they they deserve a lot of more credit than they probably yeah, get yeah, yeah. um but do local elections matter i think i think we all love the horse race right all yeah. of us all <laughs> of us are going to be sitting there on the thursday nuts. night even even you know no, none of these elections are happening in Wales. Yeah. I will be watching BBC Parliament and looking at the results. Do they massively matter? I think it depends on the election, honestly. I think this local election actually probably matters less than people are saying. I think that there's quite possibly going to be a change of government at the next general election. I think a lot of people tend to be of that opinion at the moment. Do I think that, you know, whether Kia gains an extra 50 or loses an extra 50, does that really make a difference? Probably not. And I think, you know, inevitably, both spin machines of both parties will go out there and tell you that it really, really matters. Yeah. But... Unless they do badly, in which case they'll say it's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> lose a thousand yeah. seats. We, we exactly. already factored in. We're going to lose... Like the Conservatives are done. We've already factored in. We're going to lose a thousand seats. But, okay, That's so, the expectation. Yeah. Re- and, you, and you start briefing that like weeks, you know, week. it's been yeah. going for over a month now that CCHQ have had very specific lines on their losses. Mm. Labour HQ have had very specific views on their wins. And yeah. it's factored in, right? That's exactly. I mean, Reese has g- given us his view, Jonathan. Just, just briefly. So if the Conservatives lose, I mean, Greg Hans is saying a thousand seats. I think we all know a thousand seats is bad. Yeah, you know, re- really, I think the Conservatives would be hoping for sub six hundred, and anything above that is actually very bad. But do you think if if the Tories lose a thousand seats, does that mean we're on course to lose the next election, or would you say, well, it's mid term, you can't draw too many conclusions? From I think there. you can spin it mm. to say Rishi's that's, come in. No, I was, I was that's not the question you, I asked. I know, but I think you can spin it to say that Rishi's walked in in a situation and he's 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 taking losses from something he's inherited however mm. the reality on the ground is this in somewhere like stoke that's activists probably lost those will mm. be people who will feel angry that they are victim to what happened in westminster so where's the motivation for in them for them in 12 months and 18 months time to go out of their way to help the very people that ultimately were responsible for their downfall it's also a psyche moment locally of oh we're going backwards and so for me as an mp if i'm seeing less counts in stoke north than what i had when i first walked in that will mentally play on me of we're clearly going backwards is it panic stations do you overreact do you start to jump on things you wouldn't normally jump on do you maybe start overly criticizing your own party because they're the party of government because you're trying to show yourself as some sort of true independent but of course if you're bashing the brand that you're then going to be saying to vote for in 18 months' time, people are going to rightly question, like, where's the sense in that? So I think that it certainly will bring about 
some panic. It will certainly bring about a loss of morale. Morale will go into the loss into the ground. And for somewhere like this, the Red Wall, that is infamous for now, you know, having turned in 2019, the narrative you want is the Red Wall was not a, uh, a shot at time in just 2019. It was not just Brexit. It was not just Boris Johnson. It was not just anti-Corbyn. It is a long-term systemic change. But if you see councils and councillors being lost by the Conservatives in quite large numbers, as is predicted by some pollsters, then the question goes is, ah, it was a protest vote vote in a moment of time. The Conservatives never really were going to gain these. And actually, they've now also, because they got focused on the red wall, turned and lost their focus on the blue wall, their traditional Shire base, where the Liberal Democrats are coming in. So I think there's, I think for political nerds and geeks, I think it is important. I think for politicians on the ground who are relying on those local elections to build a momentum, to build an activist base, it counts. I think for the voters... I don't think it factors in if I'm going to vote independent, Labour, Liberal Democrat, Green, Plaid, Conservative, whatever, this time doesn't guarantee that's how they'll vote at a general election. Okay. So and but, I think but, we can over egg I think that we can get overly convinced that somehow that vote for local is also going to always transfer the same to national. I don't think that's the case. I think people are much more fluid with their voting behaviour than ever before. So but so both of you are kind of like, it does matter, but not quite as much as probably the media would say. So so it does very much matter, though, for the people that are going out to try and be elected. The people here in Stoke are running as councillors, leaders of these political parties, leaders of political parties. And you, and you, you reached won an election last year. So I was wondering if you could just give us a picture of for a councillor running an election. What does election week look like? What are they out doing? What are the kind of tricks of the trade as well? You know, people will hear phrases like turning out the votes and dawn raids and then going to the count and all this kind of stuff could you give us a picture of election week for a for a councillor or someone who's won an election uh yeah i mean i i think this sort of plays into what jonathan was just saying as well about whether these elections matter as well because so much of uh why it matters is the ground war and both our parties the labor party and the conservative party have a very very slick campaigning machine um both quite different in in their approaches but but effective at, at what they do and actually you know if i was running the campaigns locally in england right now if i was the labor party i'd be quite happy because you know what it's probably encouraging those members to come out and knock more and if you're a conservative member i'd be quite worried because i imagine it's depressing the number of activists who are willing to go and bash those doors and get those leaflets out and and you know be spoken to the voters and that that's where it really comes down to mattering because that will have a knock-on effect next year because you know we all and we'll all get it and i'm sure jonathan gets it all the time as well where it's like we only see you at election time and Mm. actually getting out there and making sure that you have that consistent campaigning base whether it's an election or not is going to be really key in the next general bang on um and 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 if uh, like you say if it's a thousand um seats lost for the conservative party that's going to have a knock-on effect that is going to really make an issue for for the national campaign in in the year after um but so it i mean what was election i mean it's it's a blur (laughs) I think is is how is how I describe it. Um, I mean, it's one of those difficult things where, particularly, I think in local elections, because local boroughs tend to be, except for in London or, or big cities, tend to be quite large geographic mm. areas, and so you have limited resources. You're sort of making sure that you're trying to get your target seats. You're trying to get the right votes out. You're trying to get the right people seen and heard um so you know essentially you 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 probably do 
a couple of marathons walking up and down the various wards. I know I had a friend of mine visit me from London during the election last year and I took her to my ward, which is a Valleys ward um, and and perhaps isn't as flat as um, (laughs) West London. That would um, be hard, and it? and she was like, "I am never coming here again. It's beautiful, <laughs> uh, it's beautiful." But Reese, I, I I hope you win this because I'm never coming back. Yeah. Um, and, and bless her, she she was like, "I shouldn't have smoked that cigarette." <laughs> um, so you know, it but it is it's it's about getting the people out there and, and speaking speaking to voters and making sure people hear that message because I think as well the the other thing to consider is as we've talked about. You know, there is that national campaign and there is a national narrative coming from all the parties, but that isn't really what people care about for yeah. local elections. What they want to hear is, I mean, certainly in Wales, they want to know how many generations of your family has lived here. Um, <laughs> whether, that, like, I had, um, I was very lucky. So I, I grew up um, in the ward that I stood in, but I left for 15 years and lived various other places, including London, which is obviously looked on very negatively. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, hence why I don't sound like a complete Valley's boy <laughs> anymore. But, you know, I was very lucky to be knocking on doors and they would literally be like, I knew your grandmother, your vote's mine. That's that's totally fine. Um, really? You're from here, you went to the local school, that's fine by me. Um, and, and that's, that's you know, amazing. but that, that local connection, I think, is really key. And getting making sure that you have those candidates who are willing yeah. and, and capable of going out and having... Because, it, it, you know, it takes guts to bang on people's doors mm. every day and have a lot of them slam the door in your face yeah. or, or worse berate you from the street as you're trying to knock the next door um you know and and, and that's it it's, it's getting out there making sure that people can can see you hear you and and it almost goes beyond what the local issues are of potholes and do- you know that's all important like policy is all important but part of it is that interpersonal thing, I think, yeah. and being that human that people are like, oh yeah, no, he did, he came and knocked the door, and he seemed he seemed decent, and I think that's that's a big key in local elections. I, I mean, of all elections, but I think particularly in locals where it's so such a small place that you're going to represent, um, that you really have to go out there and be like, this is this is who I am, and this is why I want to do it. And then eventually you get to the you get to the count and you just sort of sit there looking slightly <laughs> jaded, you know, yeah. Um, you know, do, doing the sampling as you go. I think look, I, I totally agree with what you say about local. You know, I'm out with I'll name drop him. Dave Evans is like a guy who in Ballygree, Milton, Norton represents. Born there, raised there, generations of his family worked down the coal mines there. Jokes about the fact he's never really moved any further than five miles from where he was originally born. But because of that, the amount of people who yes, and it will say to me on the doorstep, oh. I won't vote necessarily for you, Jonathan, at election. I'm, I don't vote Conservative, but I'm voting for Dave. Yeah. And I think that nowhere else in politics will you see that if you've got that level of interpersonal skills and that local story, you know, that makes a huge difference. I know in Great Child Patmore, I knocked on someone's door uh, yesterday and Janine Bridges had taught their daughter and their daughter wasn't a fan of Miss Bridges when she was their teacher. So that household's not voting no for her because she just wasn't like a good, like, like is that level? She that gave an attention. Is like amazing. And it's like, so therefore, and like you, like we said, that's the challenge for national politicians like MPs and I'm sure members of the Senate as well, that they have to try and build some level of interpersonality and personal connection and personal story. But it's 
never going to be as simple or as easy because that local council is literally that person they go to when they want that grass verge cutting or that pothole replacing or that planning application for that uh, hideous above garage extension that their next door neighbour wants that's going to block the sunlight coming into their conservatory window uh, by a certain amount. And that is the biggest issue to that individual. And it's the councillor that's going to make that difference, which is why Reese is right, council officers are heroes, but councillors, really, I, like, I love giving them a shout out because they are heroes because of what they have to to put up with. And I think that that's amazing. And I'm, so, I'm sorry, Reese. I've seen we've been taught, I could carry on talking to you for hours. I just want to say a big thank you for, for coming on the show and for sharing your experience and, and everything that's going on. And uh, obviously, I enjoy to, you might see James and I maybe looking jaded on television at some <laughs> stage, watching the results in Stoke on Trent whilst you're tuning in. But I want to say a big thank you, obviously, for all the listeners. I hope you've enjoyed listening uh, to why your local council matters, why your local councillor is a hero, and why you should go and cast your vote on Thursday the 4th of May if you have local elections in your area because those people make a massive difference to your day-to-day living and hopefully you'll enjoy your right to your freedom of democracy to be able to cast your vote so I hope you enjoyed it remember you can follow and subscribe remember you can leave us a review and a rating and James's daughter has given us a rating on Spotify so please you know add to add on to that and of course you can follow us on Twitter at Whitehall Pod UK thank you Reese. thank you thank you folks